Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen. And today I wanted to chat about releasing the good girl story. So for me, good girl can be any gender. It can be any, um, you know, really any human, no matter what you identify as, because we all have these sides of ourselves. We all have this kind of people pleaser tendency, or we might have, or we might've worked through this. So that's kind of the angle that I'm coming from um, today. And when I'm going to chat about this, I'm going to chat about it from a woman perspective because I am a woman and I identify as a female. And so I'll share my own personal example. And then I wanted to kind of kick this episode off with a story that I thought um, I just read an article on this and it, it actually ties perfectly in to what I was going to share today. And I think this is a good segue into seeing how it shows up into our lives. So I don't know if any of you watch Love is Blind. But I just watched, um, finished watching season three and Colleen is a ballet dancer. And this article that I read was written by a for- another ballet dancer. And she just referenced um, a lot of people were upset. So if you haven't seen the show, Colleen, uh, it, that just, that's how they labeled her on the show was ballet dancer as her profession. And she ended up matching and marrying this man who, when they dated, Uh, had some very problematic behaviors. He kind of lashed out at her for no reason, um, threatened to leave her multiple times. Anytime things got rough. Um, Now he, in his own background story, he was cheated on um, by his former wife, ended up, his wife ended up getting pregnant from another man. And they had been, they were high school sweethearts. They had been together for 10 years. So mind you, he has his own stories. He has his own baggage, his own things that he probably should be in therapy dealing with. And so he projected this all onto Colleen, anything, anytime, anything went wrong. It was always her fault. It was her attacking her and she really took it. And you could see her just being like, no, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep this relationship alive. So this woman who wrote this ballet article had said it didn't surprise her because in ballet, you are taught to obey the leaders and 75% of leaders in the ballet world are males. And um, they really emphasize in ballet, your flaws, they have those full length mirrors. And so in like the pods, when she was dating this man, she would reference what her own flaws were. I don't like my nose. I don't like that. My arms are this length, little things like that, which again, most of us probably aren't criticizing our bodies quite to that level. um, Or even just our personalities. Like she had said, she didn't know what to say. And she didn't know what to do with her arms, little things like this, just constant criticisms. And she said that happens in the ballet world all of the time. And again, it's coming from the men and it's coming from the need to uh, just appease the leader and wear your hair in the tight buns. You know, your every position, every posture has a distinct movement and you should not break from that. And so she said from her own perspective uh, from being in ballet for many years, she can see how that could easily slide into a problematic relationship. You're going to find someone who is going to treat you the same way your ballet teacher might've treated you. And if you came from that world where you were maybe beat down by those teachers, your self-esteem is so low, it's easy to slide into that. Now, again, you can take that from any profession because I think there's many people who have had someone in their life who might have done and said horrible things. And then you can easily just slide into a relationship that might, um, that partner might be treating you the same way that you were always just expected. Like that's just what you have learned. That's what you learned growing up. So I think that plays a factor in this, the the good girl story, you know, to be honest, is we are looking to appease someone else. We're not looking at um, what are our needs? You know, we don't, we don't want to look at them. So 
I wanted to look up the actual clinical definition of what the good girl um, is. And what I found from a psychologist and the clinical definition of the good girl syndrome, it's one where we're taught to mind our elders, males in particular, we are taught to say no, to keep our opinions to ourselves. So we won't upset others. You need to take care of other people first, your needs come last, and then self-care is deemed as acting selfish. Now, I think we see a lot of that playing out, especially for moms, because that's usually one of the first things that I hear from people of, um, you know, trying to make time for ourselves is I feel so guilty. I feel guilty about taking 10 minutes to maybe just have a bubble bath and have my kid have, you know, screen time. All of those things are, I think, playing into that good girl needs, or we just feel bad. And why? Because it's just been so ingrained in our society. And I think this is, it's every generation that passes. I think it's getting a little bit better because I think we're pushing back and we're opening our eyes to like, Hey, if my cup is empty, I am, I cannot pour into others. I cannot, I can really not help my children thrive if I feel depleted. Uh, and that's what I think, again, so I think social media, there's some good and there's some bad there. I think good because we, People are normalizing that people are normalizing, taking those solo trips, um, you know, taking care of yourself, having an hour to yourself in the afternoon, if you need it, um, you know, having time to maybe have your child in an afternoon program. So you can have a little break, things like that, that maybe like my parents' generation maybe didn't grow up with, like it had to have been mostly for, in my mom's case, she was a stay at home mom and she took it upon herself to basically do everything. And there was four of us, I have three brothers. And I remember her always talking about, you know, at the end of the day, and it's probably when she was in like the, the meat of um, parenting, you know, cause I was probably maybe fourth or fifth grade. And I remember her saying this. So that means my littlest brother was like one or two. So she's got four of us, you know, 10 and under. And what she would say, she'd be like, Calgon, take me away. Cause they used to have those Calgon bath commercials. And she would just fantasize about just taking a bath. And, um, she would go running for her self-care. And I remember that once I got a little bit older where she could leave me in the house and she would go run for her own self-care and she would try to take care of her needs the best she could with four kids. And again, my dad's a farmer, so he's in and out of the house. Um, he, he's not necessarily, he's a very Vata guy as well. Love my dad, but he's very Vata. And so he's trouble sitting still. It's, you know, he's always on the go. He's always got to be doing something. My dad is not someone who just sits still like period and watches TV. Like that is not my father. Um, if he does sit and watch TV, he usually watches for maybe 20 minutes and then he's sleeping because he is just the on the go person from sundown until like 10 PM. It's just, it's how he's wired. It's also how my grandma, his mother is wired as well. And so you can kind of see some of those tendencies. And so for that, you know, I don't know if my mom, I don't know how much she asked for help or, you know, what that dynamic looked like per se, but, you know, occasionally my mom, she got a job as a country peddler, they were called, and they sold like country goods. And I remember my dad would watch us and my dad, not a great cook. So he would do the chef Boyardee and cut up hot dogs. And that's what our dinner was with my dad in charge. And we always liked it as kids. We loved having my dad, like just be in charge of us. He was not like my mom was the disciplinarian. My dad was just much more the free flowing. Didn't know necessarily all the house rules. Cause he, again, it was my mom who did most of the child rearing. And so those are some of the things that um, we enjoyed. Like it was kind of like having a babysitter, but it was my dad. And that's where I feel like our generation, or at least I know my husband and I, 
we have taken not that approach. You know, he's a very hands-on dad. Like it is very split, very 50, 50 of the parenting. We are, um, you know, I feel completely fine going on solo trips and leaving him with our son. Um, like those are little things where I have just done things differently. And I, I started that when he was six weeks old, um, I left for a trip and I would not do that again at six weeks postpartum. FYI, but I did at the time. And then once he was a year old, that was my first time leaving um, him since that six week trip. And I remember just crying. I was sad, but I'm so glad I did it because I think the longer you wait to take that first kind of trip away, the harder it gets. Um, having just talked to a mom at school who had never been away from her three kids and her oldest was a fourth grader. And so she was going on her first solo trip and she had labeled everything and was just very freaking out about her husband being in charge, you know, and taking control. And I think that, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing a good job of, you know, enabling our partner to help and know that it is not going to be done the same way that we do it. It's just not. Um, And just having them have that power so we can have that time and that break, you know, that is part of, I think that good girl stereotype of just being needing to, we have to be in control. We are, we are the, we are the moms. We are in charge of the kids, every aspect of the kid's life when no, we don't have to be, we can, we can release some of that gripping. So that's what I just wanted to share a little bit on that mom side. Cause I know that mom guilt is real and I know it's hard. I know it's different because every, you know, every partner dy- dynamic is going to be different and everyone's role and everyone's comfort with different areas of, you know, kids' lives are different, but really sitting down and getting honest with your partner. I think that's the first step. You know, I had just had that conversation with my husband Um, because I said, you know what, I would prefer to not go to two Thanksgivings and to not go to two Easter's. I'm totally fine doing two Christmases, you know, between your family and mine, but my family lives a couple hours away. And I said, I just, I'd rather just stay there for a weekend, a nice long weekend, um, on the farm and then do Easter with your family. Cause my family doesn't do a ton for Easter and his family's in town. They don't live very far from us. And so having those conversations and putting down those boundaries and telling people what we need, you know, it was my husband, like a little bummed about that. Yeah. I think he was. And he voiced that, but he understood. I'm like, you know, it it falls on me because I'm going to end up having to make two different, you know, side dishes and menus for these events. I am the one who usually has to do a lot of the packing up of kids. And then we're going to have a second one next year, um, who will be here by Thanksgiving. And uh, that's, it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it falls on my lap. And so, you know, if you want to take over some of that work, great, but that's just, it's not going to happen when push comes to shove. I know where his, you know, kind of strengths are and that's, those aren't it. And so, you know, we both agreed, okay, yes, you know, we'll start that. We'll have those conversations with our families. And so we can have those boundaries set up. And so sometimes it's stuff like that, where, you know, you might have some friction, you might have some tough conversations, but in the end, it's going to be better for you. So reflecting on where else this shows up into your life, you know, where does this good girl syndrome show up? You know, maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe it's in your work life. You know, that's also one where when I was at the meditation training and trying to appease, you know, or always thinking I got to appease the students and not really think about, but I do know what they, you know, right now, what most of them need. And it's the Vata reducing as we're in the fall, early winter season, we want to be reducing Vata. And, um, that's, I just need to trust myself. And so maybe in your own work, maybe you're kind of constantly relying on a coworker's opinion or always needing the approval of, you know, your boss, but really knowing like, Hey, I can actually do this and, you know, get feedback on it after, and it's going to be completely fine. So 
we also have to look at, I think when we're, we're looking at how this shows up is reflecting on what we were modeled as kids, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you had a stay at home mom and this is how they were. Maybe you had someone who worked all the time and that's how they modeled, um, modeled being the good girl to you. Maybe you had someone who was trying to do all of the things. And so now you try to do everything perfectly because, you know, maybe your mom had the nine to five and they came home and made the perfect, you know, snacks after school and cut things up into cute little shapes and fun sizes and, you know, baked the cookies for the bake sale. And you feel like you need to live up to that expectation, but maybe your mom was really feeling depleted and um, a little lonely or lost inside because she was taking care of others and didn't have that time for herself. So all of that, I think, is what's ingrained with us. And the same thing can be had if, you know, maybe you had a grandma who raised you, or maybe it was only male energy raising you. And you, this is what you grew up with of just this male, um, like, okay, go, 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 um, dominant energy. So really paying attention to kind of noticing, huh, that is, that is something that I need to take a look at. These are stories I might need to journal about and just kind of discover, Um, am I doing this for myself or am I doing this because this is the way things have always been done? And I never even thought there was another way. Um, and again, that's why I like social media on some regards, because you can see, oh shoot, there are people living lives in a different way than I've ever seen, which I think there are. I mean, I'm looking at social media. I'm like, wow, I cannot believe how many people can just make a living doing social media and doing like Instagram reels and like putting their lives out there. Would that be for me? No, I don't want to do That's a little bit too much in my face and in my own journey that I would want to put out there. But there are people who are doing that and that making a thriving living. There are people who live in like New York city. So for example, I always dreamed about going to New York city. Now, I don't know if I would actually enjoy living there, but I love to follow people who live in New York and just kind of seeing what their lives look like. Um, on a day-to-day basis and just seeing how different it is from where I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. And, you know, now living in St. Paul, I live in the city. I actually do enjoy watching people who grew up on a farm and it's kind of cool or who still live on a farm. It's kind of cool to see that and just know, wow, yeah, I think I'm actually okay right where I'm at. You know, like I, I appreciate getting to see the New York city and getting to appreciate the farm but knowing, no, I'm actually really content and really happy with where I'm living. So that's something else that you can kind of, um, I guess, reflect on. So ways to kind of break that good girl mode. I wanted to give, leave you with, you know, four ways that maybe you can kind of reflect on it, see where it shows up and then ways that you can maybe break out of it. So first get radically honest about where it's showing up in your life. You know, maybe ask a friend if you're not sure, if you're like, I don't think this shows up in my life at all. Ask someone. Notice comments that, you know, you make that might not feel aligned with you and, and ask yourself where they came from. So are you saying things where you're like, huh, that did not, that's not me. Like, where did, where did that come from? Next, maybe you do things for you. Do you feel guilty? Why? Where did that come from? So if you're doing things for you and you feel horrible about it, just kind of reflect, huh? Yeah. Okay. I, I never saw that modeled. Number three, notice deep beliefs, where and why, and when do those start to show up in your life? And then the fourth one, which also might be the most important, see a therapist. You know, I think if you have some really deep good girl beliefs and patterns that are showing up in your life, talking about it with professionals is going to help release some of those patterns. So if you start to notice, like I have a lot coming up, um, I need to talk to someone, 
you know, see someone who can help you move through those stories, who can really help you break those. Cause it's going to take time. These are all beliefs, thought patterns, um, innate ways that we are in our lives and how we show up. And so they are going to take time to break through and they aren't going to be something that is going to be an overnight fix. They're not going to be a one-time journal process and then boom, we're done. Or a one-time like new moon circle. Well, actually a full moon is when you want to release. They wouldn't be a one-time full moon. Hey, I'm releasing this. Let me throw it into the fire. And then the next month it's gone. It's probably going to be something that you grapple with for quite a few months, you know, before you're like, yes, okay. Finally making those um, thought patterns change those um, synopsises in our brain. They're finally wiring different. So I don't feel that intense um, good girl mold that I need to be. All right. So that's what I have for you this week. Let me know any comments or thoughts um, over. You can let me know over on Instagram or just send me an email, shoot me a DM. Um, as always go out there and spread your peaceful power.